0: This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Amen. 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 All right, go ahead and grab a seat. That song is perfect for what I just felt like God wanted me to say, just to start our morning off, it has nothing to do with where we're going, but I was praying for you this week, and I just got a sense that God is active in this place, and that God is actively pursuing you, He wants to speak to you, He wants to guide you, He wants to lead you, but we are not passive observers of God's active pursuit. Okay, we talked about God pursuing us last week, but we need to be responsive to him. And so what I wanted to say today was when we come into church, I don't want us to sit here and say, well, God, if you can speak to me, go ahead. I'm here. I showed up. I want us, I want us to be expecting God. So if you need, like me, if you need to to drink a whole lot of coffee so you can wake yourself up, go get some coffee and get back in here because God wants to speak to you, and I want us to be excited about that. I want us to come into this place expecting God to move, expecting God to speak. I was praying, I think some of us today will experience freedom from shame and guilt and fear that we've been holding on to, that's been pulling us away from community and pulling us away from the life he has for us, and I just want you to get excited about that. So at certain times, you're going to want to cheer. Cheer. You're going to want to laugh. You're going to want to laugh. Laugh, okay? You're going to want to say amen. Say amen. If nothing else, you're going to want to get home to watch the games later on today. And they say that, that getting excited is like it's like gasoline for a preacher. It gets us going faster. So if you want to get out of here for the 10 o'clock game, you got to get excited about what God's doing right now. Amen. That, that'll get some of you folks going. All right. Uh, if you haven't met me and you're just like, who, who is that guy? and Why is he already shouting? Uh, my name is Kevin. I'm one of our pastors and I have the privilege of guiding us through the next, I don't know, 35 minutes or so as we connect with God. And you're going to want to do a few things to get us started. Grab your programs. Inside your programs, grab the card that says start here. Fill that out. Get ready because we're going to use it a little bit later on this morning. Grab these notes. They have the Bible verses we're using. We're taking a big chunk of the Bible today. This real interesting uh, anatomy lesson today. So you're going to want to grab that. Yeah, we're talking about it. We're going to go there. uh, Grab it. Fill in the blanks. Have some fun with that. Well, we are we're rounding the corner, we're on the home stretch of what, what has been one of my favorite series of the year so far. It's our friending series. In our friending series, we've been saying this, the people that we choose to link arms with will shape the direction of our lives. And we've had a Bible verse that was kind of the underpinning that we started with at the end of the summer, and the Bible verse is from Proverbs 13, 20. I hope you've memorized it, so if you have, maybe you can say it with me. Try not to look on the screen's keep it focused here. I can see you so you can't cheat. Okay, it goes like this. Um, I'll tell you when to kind of say something back. We're just going to practice getting excited. It goes, walk with the wise and become wise. Yeah, that's pretty good. Walk with the wise. Link arms with the wise. You will become wise. For a companion of fools does what? Suffers harm. So the people we choose to link arms with can either lead us in the direction that brings wisdom and brings purpose and brings joy to our lives and gives fulfillment to us and, um, and opens the door for a legacy of, of a full and vast life. Or the people we choose to link arms with can, can lead us to places that suffer harm. And so the whole first phase of our friending series was simply this. Friendships matter. The people we choose to link arms with matter. They have incredible influence in our lives. If you don't believe me, think back to the worst decisions you ever made in high school and in college— There were people surrounding you in those decisions, and they sent you in a direction, or you sent them in a direction. But Some of the best decisions you made, there were people involved in those decisions, and they they sent you in a certain direction. And then we're in phase two right now, which we've been in for three weeks, and this is our our final wrap-up for phase two of the friending series. And phase two is simply this. God created us to live in an intentional community with other people who are on a similar faith journey. So friendships, big picture, are super important. But God designed us to have intentional community with other people on a similar faith journey. And we call those life groups at New Life. And so we've been exploring what life groups are, how to engage with them, what God wants to do in us and through us in the context of our life groups. And as we wrap up our time today, we're going to be talking about the human body. Because the human body is an incredible machine, isn't it? I mean, just, just think about it. I was just reflecting a little bit on the body this past week. Our skin— our skin releases moisture in the form of sweat, or maybe in the form of glowing, if you're a girl, in the form of glowing. And yet, we can swim in a pool, and the water does not seep in to us. Did you know this, that your ears and your nose never stop growing? That's incredible. Just think about that. Your ears, so if they're big now, imagine in 40 years, I mean, you'll be able to smell so well, and hear so well, because your ears and your, the body is amazing. Think about it. Our our brain tells our fingers to snap, tells our feet to walk, and our body listens and engages and obeys. It's like the most intelligent supercomputer ever. Did you know that the length of DNA in one human body could stretch from the Earth to the Sun and back seventy times? If you lined up your DNA, se- that's amazing. That was, wow, that's when you say wow. That's am- wow. That's amazing. That's amazing. When you sleep at night, your body just knows to breathe on its own. Our skin repairs itself when it cuts my, my little boy Landon's three and a half. He doesn't call it a cut anymore. He says, My skin broke open. I'm like, dude, it's a paper cut. My dad, my skin broke open. But then our our skin heals. Our bones, they, they repair themselves, they heal. Maddie, my little girl, she walked in today with her National Geographic Kids magazine. She said, Daddy, I know you're preaching about the body, because this is what happens when you're a preacher's kid check out this, and she showed me some facts about the human body from Nat Geo. It was very exciting. And I told her, I'm going to share that in church because that's really exciting. For example, the heart, the human heart beats roughly 4 billion times in the course of an average lifespan. The body is incredible. And the way that our bodies were created points to the fact that there is an intelligent, creative, artistic designer, creator who has created us because he knows us. He has a plan for us. And, and I was thinking about the body in the context of something that a guy named Paul says in the New Testament. See, in the New Testament of the Bible, the early church leaders were trying to figure out how can we talk about community? How can we talk about relationships? How can we talk about um, intentional uh, living with other people and they said, well, we don't want to use a city because the city is kind of disconnected and there are different areas and villages and, and ghettos within a city that have different distinct groups. We can't use that. We said, we, we could use a, a building, but a building doesn't really create the context. It's more like walls and doors and different rooms. So the New Testament author said, if we're going to talk about community, we should use we should use the body because the body is incredibly interconnected. And so in 1 Corinthians, a guy named Paul says... This is what it looks like to be in Christian community. He's he's talking to a church in Corinth, which was an ancient trade city, one of the biggest cities in the ancient world that Paul traveled to and visited. Think San Francisco, New York, Chicago, and people from all over the ancient world would congregate in Corinth because they would sail in to sell their goods and to transport their goods from one location to another. So it's this big metropolitan area with people from all over the ancient world, and, and they're all starting to come to faith in Jesus, but they're all very different. Different languages, different customs, different culture, and they're trying to make sense of what it looks like to be a group of Jesus followers together, even though they're so unique and they're so different. And so Paul says in 1 Corinthians twelve. I want you to know what it means to be a community. And he says this, Just as the body, though one, has many parts, but all of its parts that are unique form one body, so it is with Christ. He says we were all baptized by one Spirit so as to form one body. He says when we came to faith in Jesus Christ, we were baptized with Holy Spirit with one spirit, and now we form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles. See, before Jesus, the Jewish people thought they were the only ones who could be saved by God. And, and, and Paul says, "No, no, no. Now that Jesus came, both Jews and Gentiles, and that word Gentile in the original language is ethnos, which is where we get the word ethnicity. So basically it means everybody else, both Jews and everybody else can be saved, whether they're Jews or Gentiles, slaves or free. We were all given one spirit to drink. Even so, the body, it's not made up of one part, but of many. So I titled this sermon, Check Out That Body, because that body is pretty cool. Check out that body. That, I told you, that made me laugh so loud a week ago, and I'm kind of laughing right now, because that's a funny, if you're, if you're like raised in the church a little more conservative, you could say um, the body of Christ, but that is not nearly as fun as check out that body. Check out that say check out that body. Check out that body. Check out that body. Because Paul's telling the people, when when you placed your faith in Jesus, something happens to you. Not just individually, although it does individually you get a, a a new nature with new desires and new motivations and new thoughts when we put our faith in Jesus something happens to us individually but he says that's not the sum and total of it when when you put your faith in Jesus you're not just a new individual you're part of a new community And you keep all of your distinctness, all your unique parts, and yet you have one common faith. And the faith is that there is a God, that he is unique in Jesus Christ, that he came to this earth, he lived, he gave his life on a cross, he died, he rose from the dead, and now he is the risen, living Savior of the world. And that's one of the things I love about the church, is that we can be totally different. We can be different in the way we dress, we can be different in the way we think, we can be different generationally. We can be different ethnically. We can be different politically. We can like different sports teams. For example, I, I'm not, not too proud to say it. I love the Bears, which means I'm just getting lessons in humility every Sunday. It's horrible. But God's teaching me. We can love different sports teams. We're unique. And yet, we have one common bond that supersedes all of our uniqueness. It's our faith in Jesus Christ. And when we think about the body, which he'll later call the church, when we think about the church, we generally think about our church. We think about new life and that's where we engage weekly, that's where we connect with God. But when Paul talks about the body, he's not just talking about our church. He's talking about at least three different circles of the church, starting really big and then getting really small. And so I want to talk about all three circles of the church, and then Paul's going to get into some anatomy about the human body. It gets really interesting really quick. So there are three different parts of the church. See, we're part of the global body of Christ, the global church, capital C, church. Have you ever paused to think about that? When we gather today, we gather along with rough estimates in the last couple years have said something like point. Two billion people around the world who have a common faith in Jesus Christ. 2.2 billion people. That's one-third of the world's population. We're part of a, a big body. In the last 2,000 years, that body has been eaten well. It has been growing by leaps and bounds. 2.2 billion people have put their faith in Jesus Christ. So we're part of a huge body. A year ago this week, I was, I was preaching in a little church that had gathered people from two different states in southern India, and they invited me to come and to preach to them. And our language was different, and our food was different, and our culture was different, and our, our desires and our likes and our sports were different. In fact, I think I have a, a picture of me. Um, this is me playing cricket with the guys from India, um, because you might be wondering, why am I wearing that wrap? That's called a dothi. It's a, it's a skirt type wrap that the men wear and then they pull it up when they're running around and it's hot and um and you're wondering why are they not wearing that well because uh we all knew we were going to have a cricket tournament at this conference i was speaking at but i had ruptured my achilles tendon so i had a a a thing on my leg and maria said to me you're not going to play in that cricket match are you i said no 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 That'd be silly. Why would I do that? And then I got there, and one of the, one of the guys said, are you going to play cricket with us? And I said, oh, yes, I am, because I'm like a big kid who doesn't really think through things. So while they all had jeans on and shorts on, I was wearing this wrap and running around with the leg brace on in southern India playing cricket. And, and our sports are different, and I was horrible, but I want you to notice in my left hand, you'll see a trophy. Um, I helped literally not at all, but my team won the cricket tournament. But I found myself in these little churches all over southern India preaching to people who who were nothing like me. And yet we were talking about our common faith in Jesus Christ. You and I are part of a global body, and it's beautiful, and it's growing, and it's advancing. And the reason I want to talk about that is because as the world goes on, human nature is such that we just become inner-focused, and we kind of, we shrink our worlds. But I want us to never forget that we are just like a small skin cell in a global body where Jesus is moving and calling people, and his body is growing by leaps and bounds every day. I asked you last week to pray for me because I was meeting with our global outreach team and I was so encouraged by the work that they're doing. Our global outreach team is going to be doing two things in the coming months and years ahead. They're going to be helping us raise awareness about what God's doing in the global body. So on Sundays, you'll be able to come in here and I'll share with you from time to time some things that God is doing in the body. And I'm so excited about it because I never want us to lose sight of the fact that we're just a a tiny piece of a huge movement. And then they're going to help us find strategic partners around the world that we can partner with because God is consistently moving. So we're part of this global body, and then we're part of the local body, which is the local church, New Life. I don't know if you realize this, but there are probably over 800 people who call New Life home, who come in and out of our doors through the course of a year. We're part of uh, an incredible local body of faith. Uh, We made these shirts back last February when we had our transition, and uh, and I, I think this speaks well. I love, I love the local body of Christ. I love the church. I think the church is the hope of the world, because the church is where God is moving, and communities gathering, and we're worshiping, and we're praying, and we're engaging with God. I love the local body. I love you guys. And we, we talk about the church a lot, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time there, but I need us to know we're part of the global body. We're part of the local body. And then we're part of, and I couldn't think of anything cute to say, so I just said we're part of life group community, which doesn't sound anything like the body. I was very sad about that. I tried to figure out some way to say, like, we're part of the intimate body, but that seemed weird. And I was like, all these different things. I, we're part of life group community. We're part of small—yeah, I know, it was awkward—we're a small group community. And this is where I want us to center in today, because it's one thing to realize we're part of this global body of 2.2 billion people around the world, and it's one thing to come together and worship with 800 people on a Sunday. But God created us in such a way that we need to have a place— where we know other people, and where we're known by other people. And that can't happen in a room of even 100 people like we have today. We need to have a place, God created us to have a place, where we are prayed for regularly, and where we pray for other people. Where we're challenged, and we have the opportunity to challenge other people. Where we are encouraged, and we, uh, we have the opportunity to encourage. God created us as human beings need a place where we can meet other people's needs real time, and where our needs can be met. And that happens in life groups. God designed it from the very beginning to happen in small groups. It doesn't necessarily happen big picture, although from time to time we do meet needs globally, and I love that. And it doesn't necessarily happen with 800 of us, although when we hear about needs, we try to meet those needs as well. It happens in the context of life groups, which is why if you come to me and you say, man, I've been coming for six months, and I just don't feel connected, I'll ask you, are you in a life group? Because that's the place to be connected. If you say, you know what, I've been coming, but no one's meeting my needs, I would say, are you in a life group? Because that's the place where you can share your needs and have your needs met. If, you, if you've been coming for six months or a year or two years, and you say, you know what, I just don't, I'm not getting challenged. I say, are you in a life group? Because that's the place where we sit in circles and we challenge each other and we encourage each other. Life groups are the place where transformation happens and god designed us to engage with the body on all three levels and if we miss out on any anyone globally locally or in life groups we're missing out on the community that god created us for and so i want us to raise our awareness globally to see that we're part of a big body we'll always be talking about the church locally but today i want to talk about life groups because life groups are so key for us to experience what god has and you might be sitting here thinking but i'm not in the life group i'm not in the life group and listen i'm not here to make you feel bad about that but i would say this If you're not in a life group, you're missing out on some part of what God has for you. You're missing out on it. You just are. And I wouldn't be your friend if I didn't tell you. That's the place. That's the place where God wants to take you to the next level. And then Paul goes on to give this anatomy lesson, which gets really kind of weird at first. You're trying to figure out where's he going with this, but then he pulls it all together because Paul is brilliant. Paul says in verse 15, Now if the foot should say, Because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body— it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. Makes sense. And if an ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And then he just gets ridiculous in verse 17. If the whole body were an eye, now picture Monsters, Inc., if the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? And if the whole body were an ear, that would be crazy, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? But as it is, there are many parts but one body. That's why the eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. Because we all need each other. Verse 22, on the contrary, those parts of the body that seem weaker are indispensable. And I want you to underline that. The parts that seem weaker are indispensable. And the parts that seem less honorable, I want you to underline less honorable, the parts that are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable, underline unpresentable, are to be treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment, and this is where he wraps it all up, God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there would be no division in God's body and its parts would have equal concern for each other. And then he says this, if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. And that's where small groups happen. When we come together and we say, are you suffering? I'm going to suffer with you. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. That happens when we know each other, and it only happens in community, in small groups. If one part's honored, every part rejoices. And then he just hooks us in. He says, now you are the body of God of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. You are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. Have you ever realized that you you don't know how valuable certain body parts are until they're not working properly? How many of you have ever broken a bone, pulled a muscle? Raise your hands. Okay, I'm not going to hurt you. I'm not going to call on you. I never knew how important an Achilles tendon was until I played indoor soccer in my 30s. I was playing indoor soccer in my 30s, and it was it was a great, it was a great game. Our team was losing, but I had scored two goals, and that felt pretty good. And there were like two minutes left, and we had all these fans watching the game. And, and I had two minutes left, and, and I'm running to get the ball, feeling pretty good about myself. You know, I'm doing my thing, you know, I'm running like that, looking tough. And, and I, I got the ball, and this guy and I tangled up, and then the ball somehow got away from me. And, uh, and we fell to the ground, and then we got up. We got up, and I took three steps, and, and honest to goodness, I thought someone ran up behind me. And if you've ever ruptured your Achilles tendon, you know this feeling. I felt like someone ran up behind me and kicked me as hard as they could right in the back of the leg, And I fell to the ground and I looked up and and I was not getting ready to bless the person who did it. I looked up angry because I thought someone had just taken a cheap shot because I was doing so good in the game. I looked up and I was like, who did it? And there's no one around me. So I looked at my team because I figured they're going to be charging the field. Their pastor just got taken out by some jerk, right? They're just clapping and watching the game down here. like, what on earth is going on? So I I get up and I hobble off. And no one even says, are you okay? They just like, they just let me go by and sit down. Like, Christians. So then the next day, one of our fans had recorded the game. And they happened to catch the exact incident where I ruptured my Achilles tendon. And I was going to show the video and warn you, you will literally see nothing happen, okay? You will see nothing happen. This is what it looked like. We tangled up, we got up. I took one step, two steps, three steps, and then I collapsed. (laughs) And then I looked mean, you know? then I pumbled off the field like this. My Achilles tendon just gave up on me and decided it was done playing for no particular reason. No one kicked it. No one tackled me. My Achilles just stopped playing. And for the next seven weeks, I had to limp around with a cast or ride that really cool scooter. I don't know if you remember, that scooter was amazing. I got to ride around the church and make obstacle courses. Ride the scooter around. And then I had to wear that ridiculous walking boot through India. You can imagine the smell. Yeah. And I realized when I ruptured my Achilles tendon how vital that seemingly insignificant part that I'd never paid any attention to that always seemed to do its job, how vital it was, but I didn't realize it until it was gone. And Paul goes on to say, just like every body part matters, every person in the body of Christ matters. That's why a hand can't say to a foot, I don't, I don't need you. an I can't say to an ear, I don't need you. He says, if we were just a, a giant ear, we would look ridiculous. And if we were a huge eye, we wouldn't be able to hear anything. Paul goes to this huge extreme about the body and just makes really funny, funny things. If you think the Bible's not funny, read Paul. That's hilarious. A walk, can you just picture an ear or an eye walking around? That would be so funny. Is it just me? Okay. <laughs> Careful. Paul goes to extremes about the body and the need for every part of the body because. He knows that our tendency is to believe a lie about the body of Christ. And here's the lie that we believe. We believe God can't use me in the body. God doesn't need me in the body. I'm an extra part of the body. I'm a, I'm a less important part of the body. And we believe it for three reasons. One is gifting. We think, well, you know what? I'm not gifted. I'm not a, I'm not a communicator. I'm not a life group leader. I'm not, a, I'm not a, a major leader of 50 people or 100 people. God can't use me because I'm not, I'm not gifted. And so we, we take ourselves out of the body. And we say, well, you know what? God just doesn't need me. I'm going to sit in the sidelines. I'm going to sit in the chairs. I'm going to sing a few songs. I'm going to give a few bucks, and I'm going to go home. We think I'm just not gifted enough. But Paul says every part of the body is not just accepted, but necessary for the body to be what it should be. Some of us think, God can't use me because of my past. You get into a life group and you think, what do I have to share? I can't, I can't share anything about relationships. I've been divorced. i got nothing to share. I've got an addiction. I've got a failure in my past, in my business. I had to foreclose. I made some mistakes. i got nothing to offer in the context of my life group. What can I tell people? I'm a failure. I have failed. And I want to tell you this. If you're looking for a church that will mark you by your worst mistake and your worst failure, this is not the church for you. There are tons of churches out there that will mark you by the worst mistake you ever made and say you are determined, you are defined, and you will not get past your divorce or your addiction or your failed business. But this is not the church for you because in this church we believe we're not defined by our worst moment. We're defined by our relationship with Jesus Christ and what he can do and what he is doing. So if you're looking for a church that counts you out because of your past, you're in the wrong place. See, we believe that every part of the body matters, and your past is simply that. It's your past that's been redeemed and restored by your creator. Some of us think, well, it's my present. I got nothing to share. I got nothing to add because of my present. If you really knew about my depression, if you really knew that I'm going to counseling every week, if you really knew that I'm I'm struggling to fight off this temptation— why would you want to listen to me? And what, could I say this to you? Could I say that, that it could be that God wants to use your story, your struggle, your temptation, to bring freedom in the life of someone else who thought they were the only one who ever felt that way, whoever thought that way, whoever went that way. If we could just, if we could just stop hiding in the shadows, I think God would use us. The only life that God cannot use is a life that you do not share. And if you're still breathing, God's still working. So Paul says every single part of the body— is needed. And I want to tell you this, as our church grows, the only way that every single person in our church will be loved and served and cared for and challenged and prayed for is if every other one of us says, you know what, I'm a vital part of this body, and I want to be used in the body. See, the body needs you, especially in your life group. The body needs you in the life group because the smaller our group gets, the more vital each body part becomes. You're like a vital organ when it comes to the life group. Just think about that. You're a vital organ. If there are 12 of you, and you decide you're not going to check in, if you don't don't show up ready to play, if you don't jump into the game, your group is missing out. You have something to offer. And I would say this. this This is our big idea. None of us has everything to contribute to the body of Christ, but every one of us has something to contribute. None of us has everything to contribute, but every one of us has something to contribute that's why we're asking you to join a life group and contribute. Don't just sign up. I want you to show up. I want you to join in. I want you to, to engage. Don't sit on the sidelines thinking, well, I'm not a hand. I'm not an eye. I'm not a tongue. I'm, you know, I'm a small intestine or I'm a toenail or I'm that little flap of skin on the elbow, okay? You ever, you ever played with this, by the way? This is the, only, this is the only part of skin that I've ever found that you can squeeze this as hard as you want. It doesn't hurt. Go ahead and try it right now. Try, no, I'm not. Try it. Pinch. I can see you. The lights are on. Try pinching your skin as hard as you can. If you're angry at your spouse, pinch their skin. It's not going to hurt them. Feel, you feel that? You feel that? Some of us think, I'm, I'm just this weird flap of skin on the elbow. God can't use me. But here's what I would say to you. You're going to get into a life group, and you're going to come up against someone who's got some tough times, and they're hurting, and they're going to need someone who they can rub up against, who can take some of that pinch— and not feel the pain. Maybe God made you that little flap of skin on your elbow so that you can shoulder the pain of someone else in your group without feeling it. Yeah, wow, that's deep. That's deep. The flap of skin on the elbow. You, ever, you never thought you'd hear that in a sermon? Think about that. Think about that. Even this part is vital because you can, if you have kids, you can amaze them. Say, hey, look how tough dad is. Pinch my skin as hard as you want, it won't even hurt. You're vital. You're vital. Especially in life groups, you're vital. You're like a vital organ in your life group. So we got to join in. We got to bring our A game. We got to say, God, use me in this group. Verse 18, Paul says this He says, God has placed the parts of the body exactly where He wanted them to be. God has placed you in your life group on purpose for a purpose. That's our next point. God has placed you in your life group on purpose for a purpose. If you're in a group, it's not by accident. Now, we're not saying don't don't be choosy, don't find the right group. Find the right group, but once you settle into a group, I want us to realize that spiritually speaking, God has placed us there on purpose. It's not an accident. He's placed us on purpose for a purpose. Body parts don't simply say, what can I get out of this group? But they say, what can I give to this group? Body parts don't say, what can I receive? But how can I serve? How can I enhance the body? And when you jump into life group, I want us to always be thinking, I'm a vital part of this group. How can I serve? How can I give? How can I love? God has something he wants to do in you this fall through your life group. And he has something he wants to do in the life of someone else, through you, in your life group. So join in, share honestly, get real about your faith, get real about your struggles, get real about your life. Who knows, but God might not use the thing that you think is your low point to bring someone else to a place of saving faith in Jesus. That's how God uses the body. It's all working together, and every part is vital. The eyes, the ears, the nose, the small intestine, the toenail. You ever lost a toenail? It's painful. Even the flap of skin. So I want to invite you, if you're in a life group, to show up ready to play. Don't be an observer. Don't be passive. Think, God, what do you want to do through me today in this group? Because I believe I'm a vital organ in this life group community. So speak up. Engage. Be bold. God might use what you say to change the life of someone else forever. And I believe this is so important that for the next four weeks, and I'm so excited about this, for the next four weeks, we're starting a brand new series called My Story. And for four weeks, we're going to hear our pastoral staff share their story of what God's been doing in their life. And they're going to hit on various topics, and I think their stories will connect with you in profound ways that my preaching maybe never could. So next week, Pastor Jake's going to get up, and he's going to share his story. And If you've never heard Jake's story, never heard him preach— you got to be here. This is his first time preaching on a Sunday, so I'm going to ask everybody in our church, make sure you're here next week. Come ready, because Jake's going to bring it. It's going to be awesome. But we're going to spend four weeks where our staff are going to share their story, and I think it's going to touch you in some pretty profound ways. I think God's going to use them to speak into your life. And then we're going to get into our life groups, and two or three of us each week are going to share our stories, because I believe that your story matters. I believe that God wants to use your story to change someone's life. And so we're going to get into our groups, and for four weeks... Just a couple of us are going to share our stories. There will be no hiding. Now listen, you don't have to go first. If you're an introvert, you're like, oh, I'm so scared. We'll give you a couple questions to think about, to chew on. but, But listen, God wants to use you. Are you ready? Are you open to sharing your story? Because you're a unique body part. You're a unique body part. And this body of Christ needs you to be you. This body of Christ needs you to be the person that God created you to be. And when you are the fullness of who God made you to be, you will inspire and encourage and serve and love and help those around you. And when your life group members are the people that God created them to be, they will inspire and encourage and help you, and it will change your life. You are unique, and God loves you, and God has a plan for you. And I can say that with full confidence because Jesus Christ demonstrated it when he left heaven and came to earth and he gave his life on a cross, he said, I believe in you so much that I'm willing to sacrifice my life. God in the flesh was willing to sacrifice his life for you because he saw the potential in you because he loves you. And if you've never started a journey with God, I want to invite you today to do that to say yes to a God who, who believes in you so much, who loves you so much, who thinks you're such a vital organ in the body that he gave his life for you, that he gave his life on the cross to break the power of sin in your life so that you could find freedom and so that you could have a relationship with your creator. I want to invite you to start this journey with God because he loves you and he has a plan for your life. So I'm going to pray right now and I'm going to give you a chance. If you've never said yes to Jesus, I'm going to give you a chance to do that. But first, I'm going to pray for all of us that God would use us this fall. So let's close our eyes. Let's pray together. Lord, I'm asking that for my friends who are here, who are feeling uh, maybe like maybe like they're one of those unpresentable parts that Paul talks about, or maybe they're um, a hidden part. Maybe they feel shame or regret for things that they've done. I would pray for freedom for them today, Lord, that you would help them to share their story with boldness, and that their story would point to your uniqueness and your creativity and your love and your forgiveness and your transformation. Would you bring freedom in the lives of my friends today so that we could be the body parts that you created us to be in this beautiful thing that you call the church? Would you help us to take on that life and all that you have for us? As we continue to pray, if you're here and you've never started that relationship with Jesus, you can start it right now by simply committing your life to him and then walking with him on this journey of life. And if you're ready right to make that decision, I want you to know God doesn't lo- couldn't love you more than he does and he's so excited to start this journey with you. He's been, he's been waiting for this moment. He's been watching you for this moment because he has been pursuing you up to this moment. So, if you're ready to start that journey with God, just repeat these words after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe that you love me. I believe that you love me so much that you died on the cross to pay the penalty for my sin. Today I say, Yes. Yes, I want to have a relationship with you. So, would you come into my life? Would you forgive me of my sin? Would you fill me with your Holy Spirit, Lord? And would you show me what it looks like to walk with you every day from this day forward, even as I walk into eternity? I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And if you made that decision today, I've been praying for you this week that you would, and I want to know about that so I can pray for you by name. Uh, I asked us all to fill out this card when we started off this morning, and on the back it says, I want to apply today's teaching by, and the top one says, I'm entering into a first-time relationship with Jesus Christ. If you made that decision, if you prayed that prayer, if you're ready to start a relationship with God, would you mark that on your card so we can be praying for you by name, so we can uh, be sending you some information to help you on this journey, because we want to partner with you on this journey that God has you on. Uh, The second one, the second way we can apply what we're learning today says this. I'm going to be intentional about joining into the dialogue during my life group. If you're in a life group, this is for you. And I would simply say this. Some of us tend to pull back for various reasons, and I just want to invite you to share. You have something incredible to offer. So if you're going to do that, that's for more of the introverted people. People like me, you probably don't need to mark that on your card because we all know you're going to talk, okay? So, but for you quieter types who think, I don't know if I have anything, trust me, you do. And I miss out on it if you don't share. So mark that on your card. And if you're not in a life group, I want to help you find a life group. So find me in the lobby. Uh, Mark on your card you want to join a life group. Find me in the lobby. I will get you signed up with a life group. We still have some openings. I'd love to get you plugged in. So I've got this shirt on. That's how you can find me. Plus, I'm going to look like this. So you can find the guy that looks like this, and I'll help you get plugged into a life group. Um, We'd love to be praying for you. Put prayer requests and answer prayers on there. That was funny. and we'd love to pray for you. We're also going to be receiving the offering in just a second. So if you came prepared to give, you can put your tithes and offerings in this handy-dandy envelope. If it says the name of another church, it's probably not the right envelope. It should say New Life on it, so the money goes to New Life, so we can support things God's doing in this church and really around the world. Uh, We want to bless you as you give. I'm going to pray, and then we'll pass those baskets. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for this opportunity to be with you, to worship you, to learn from you, to laugh with you, to celebrate with you, and now to give to you. Would you use this resource that we give so freely uh, to open the door for other people to encounter your life-changing love? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. They're passing those baskets, dropping your Connect card, dropping your tithes and offerings. And I kind of spoiled what I was going to say right now. I was going to talk about Jake and how excited I am for him to preach next week, Um, but I I guess I'll just say this. Um, I'm really excited for Jake to preach next week. It's going to be awesome. You need to be here. Pastor Jake is going to share. Um, Justin's going to share. Angela's going to share. Ron's going to share each of these next four weeks. And I could not be more excited for two reasons. One, I think their stories will impact your life. And two, I think it's so good for our church to hear from multiple voices. You will connect with them in some powerful ways. So I want to make sure you come back next week. Uh, In two weeks, it's Time Change Sunday. In two weeks. Not this week. In two weeks. And I want to tell you this. I'm not going to tell you what. But on Time Change Sunday... I'm giving out special gifts to everyone who shows up. Free stuff that actually cost us money to get to you. So, so you're going to want to be here. I will tell you about it next week. And then you're really going to want to be here. All right. God bless you guys. Have a great Sunday. We'll see you back here next time. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.